G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. But it's time to turn our attention today towards parenting. Uh, We're talking about raising a new generation. Our guest is Susie Lee, who's written a book called Raising Kids Who Care, Practical Conversations for Exploring Stuff That Matters Together. We're going to be talking about building good friendships, what happiness really is, gratitude and purpose, and being part of the solution to all manner of problems. Susie has majored in psychology and theology and has a master's in peace and conflict studies, and she's raised two caring sons with her husband, Brian, and she's got some exciting news to share with us this morning as well. Welcome along, Susie. How are you today? I'm extremely well today. Thank you, Matt. Now, you're extra happy today because you've got some big news. Matt, I have sons. I have nephews coming out my ears, but at six o'clock this morning, I found out that I have a brand new granddaughter. Yay! Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And what's her name? Sola. Sola, beautiful name. Fantastic. Sola, yeah. Well, congratulations, and Grandma. I hope not too many of my family are listening because they don't even all know yet. Oh, there you go. It's breaking news here this morning. Breaking news. Fantastic. Oh, well done. You, you, I've got her on uh, Skype here in the studio and I can see this. You've got lipstick on both your ears. You're smiling so much. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Now, Susie, let's find out a bit of your story. Where, where were you born and raised? Well, my parents were Kiwis and Dad was studying in London, so I'm actually a Cockney born within the sound of Bow Bells. Um, but f- f- Dad came out here to work on the Opera House, which is, you know, 50 years old in Sydney. Um, and so I came out when I was a little baby to Sydney, been in the northern beaches of Sydney ever since. Okay, and did you have any a, a, a religious upbringing at all? Not at all. Um, Dad grew up in a sect and was kind of kicked out, and so I grew up quite anti-religion, actually. Okay. And tell us a bit about your early career. What did you do after school? I, I've never seen a computer in my life, but I went to university and studied computer science <laughs> and so, um, did that for a couple of years before I realised, oh, this didn't suit my personality, finding out all my little ridiculous detailed mistakes. Um, so... Used it to finance travels around the world. <laughs> okay, and tell us about your faith journey. How did you come to Christ? Well, while I was overseas, um, I, you know, it was back before the internet and email and everything, and um, I happened to ring my family after weeks. They had no idea what country I was in. Um, I just called them out of the blue and found out that my sister had just been killed by a drunk driver. Uh, so I came home unexpectedly and had to get a job in the computer industry um, and met this really nice boy. But the only problem with him was that he was a Christian. 
And I just thought, oh, what is the matter with him? And so I literally carried around a notebook for a year, writing down all of my objections to Christianity and reading books on apologetics and asking people who I'd, kn- I'd grown up with who, you know, I knew them before they'd become Christians because I trusted them. <laughs> and eventually, you know what? I just came to this place where intellectually the resurrection seemed possible and then I made the terrible mistake of going to a church and meeting the most wonderful people who were loving each other in a way that I guess I'd been looking for all my life and it's like coming home and I've been at my church 34 years ever since. Wow well that's a great testimony of uh, you know spending all that time researching and, and then eventually getting across the line hey? It's even better than that because the boy ended up leaving me. He went off traveling as well. And when we met up again a few years later, it was like I was this new creation. And um, we've been married for 30 years ever since. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I was going to ask about what happened to the boy. I'm glad you explained that. I wasn't sure whether whether to go there or not. (laughs) It was a gift from God, let me tell you. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And uh, tell us a bit about uh, your career. So you've, you've done a lot of teaching. Tell, tell us about uh, your background in teaching. Yeah, you know what? I never trained as a teacher, but every job I've ever had, I've ended up in education. So even back in the computer science days, I was I ended up teaching through university. I was tutoring. Um, I, I decided after computer science to study, um, get a major in psychology, and I was teaching maths during that time, and then I decided that wasn't going to change the world either, so I studied theology and um and was teaching during that ended up teaching high school scripture for quite a long time and then teaching primary school religious education like when when my kids were going through um but i've also taught at university um i've taught at bible college teaching just seems to be the thing that that keeps coming up in my life Mm, wonderful and before we get to uh, your new book I, i just noticed on your website it's a great website. It's called RaisingKidsWhoCare.info. If people want to look it up, it's a great website, RaisingKidsWhoCare.info. Uh, and there's a little line there uh, talking about your faith, and it says, The Sermon on the Mount is your inspiration for life. Uh, I absolutely love the Sermon on the Mount. Tell us why uh, you love it so much. I told you I came kicking, kicking and screaming to faith. Um, it just <laughs> was a big mindset change. But the thing that keeps me going today is if everybody in the world lived the way Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount, that would be heaven, right? Yeah. That would be the kingdom of heaven come to earth. Yeah. And I, that's what I'm really sold out to. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. The red letters of Jesus, you can't beat them, can you, hey? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so good. All right, well, let's have a, a look at... Uh, the, the bit of the background behind this book. So tell us about how the book uh, came to be, Raising Kids Who Care. Tell us all about it. Well, when my kids were in primary school um, and I was teaching you know, special religious education, I I was amazed by them. <laughs> we often think of our kids as our babies and I think they're a couple of steps ahead of us developmentally than we realise. But being in the school with them and, and their their classmates, I realised how deeply they think, how compassionate they are. I remember telling them stories about um, 
kids that were that were living overseas who had so much less than them and then opening their eyes and them you know the kids wanting to respond in some way you know one child I remember said tried to give me their their lunch money it's like can you give this to the kids overseas and I talked to them about deep concepts that I guess I hadn't realized they cared so much about and realized that in fact they weren't talking to anybody about these things and they were a bit blown away when we when I wanted to know what they thought and um in high school when I was teaching that was that was even more obvious and when I worked for um for TIR that aid and development organizations now TIR fund Australia um I I was running a national conference and we were talking about enough about the idea that consumerism is having quite an effect on us and we need to, to, as Christians, come to a place where we feel content, where we think we have enough, because we know that we need to be generous to the poor overseas, but if everybody in the world lived like a middle-class Australian, we'd need, you know, three to five planets. It, it's just not sustainable. So we need to come also to a place where we think, okay, we have we have enough. And I was, I thought I, I would run a workshop called Raising Kids Who Care to talk about the effect of consumerism on our kids. And I booked myself into it, just a little room, and there was standing room only. They were overflowing out out the door, and I realised wow, there are a lot of parents like me who really are concerned about the the world that their kids are growing up in and are wondering what to do about it. And from then I started running workshops and simulation games with whole families together instead of just adults or just kids or just teenagers, whole families together. And it blew me away in debrief times how sparks were flying when parents were watching their kids with a microphone speaking deep wisdom and understanding big issues that they hadn't realized about and kids finding out that their parents cared about these things and they thought their parents were just these old buddy-duddies and so I'm really committed to finding ways to get families talking together not just you know have everybody separated into age groups mm. Well, so the book came out of my work with kids and my work in aid and development organisations because I'm trying to, you know, raise a whole generation of kids, a whole generation of families um, who care more about the world. It's it's that bringing the kingdom to earth thing again that I'm after. Mm, wonderful. And I should just say too, the book has had a number of awards as well, uh, including the Royal Dragonfly Book Award, uh, the Best Independent Book uh, award uh, winner, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch. It was, I think, it was nominated for the Australian Christian Book of the Year. I think it was. that's right. It was shortlisted. Shortlisted, um, so yep. For the ten best Christian books this year in Australia, and there's a Christian Independent Award it got in America as well. So I'm a bit blown away. You know, you sit at your little desk by yourself, thinking, oh, I feel compelled. I feel like it's my kingdom work. I've got to do it." But you know, psychologically, it's so scary putting yourself out into the world like this. And I feel like every time it's won an award, or you know, people have wanted to buy it, it's like okay, maybe God is in this, and it's been actually quite a, a great um, boost to my faith, yeah. actually, doing this project. Well, it's uh, it's certainly uh, impacting a lot of people. There's one comment on your website, 
from from someone that I wanted to mention to you. I'm curious about this. Uh, someone said, I love the conversations about what to do when you make a mistake and finding your secret superpower and living a grateful life. So there's a few topics in there, but let's 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 just pause on the secret superpower bit. I'd love to know about this this section of your book. Um, <laughs> where where to jump in? Um, yes, there are forty conversations in the book and yeah. divided four areas, and, and one of um, one of the areas about our inner selves starts with talking about our su- superpower, and. Really, I'm talking about soul. I'm talking about spirit. I'm talking about the fact that we are each wonderfully made. Now, I should say, I've written this book not specifically for a Christian audience. I think I've written it for the me I would have been if I hadn't had the benefit of a Christian life and a wonderful church community. I really think churches do a great job of um, of families, but I really care about the families outside the church. I, f- I care about young young parents who have maybe grown up in the church but have left it. So I'm using words like our inner selves when I mean soul and spirit and, and superpower when I'm talking about gifting, I, I guess. Um, so the idea of the conversations is that each one has, has something to help you start stimulating thinking or you know some research or a story and and superpower is is a way to just get kids drawn in mm. um I love to, that. to start thinking about what they're really great at and what they have to contribute to the world yep absolutely fantastic and, and you know that's part of our job as parents isn't it you know i've got three kids uh 14 17 and 24 who are all in very different stages of life and they're all completely yeah. different and but they've all got different unique gifts and that's part of our job as parents, isn't it? You know, I, I remember hearing someone say, um, when you see a spark, you blow on it to uh, let it become a flame. That's really our job, isn't it? We've got to find their spark and then fan it into flame so they can be who they're called to be. That's a beautiful way to describe it. I really like that. Mm. Yeah, I've been saying I'm the president of my kids' fan club. Yeah. But we can sometimes fall into the trap um, as parents of do this, get your shoes on, don't forget this, you know, the in the busyness of life, the do, 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 do all these things and forget that, yeah, that our job is, is, is about encouragement. And, yeah, one of the most wonderful things as a parent is watching to see who, who this little person becomes, mm. what are their gifts going to be. And honestly, I could never have predicted it for yeah. them like a little. It's a joy. And, Susie, I need to ask you, as a, as a parenting expert, you know, <laughs> why, why, why do they grow up so fast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th- I don't think that they grow up fast. I think we are just so busy in our culture at the moment that life is fast. If I, I remember as a kid, you know, those long school holidays that just seemed to last forever and it was so boring and you'd have to think, make up ridiculous games just to kill the time. And I remember being horrified when my kids were little and they thought that life was going fast as well. Um yeah, so I think I've I've just had a few years in the wilderness of empty nest and it, it hit me really hard. I was a bit shocked actually at at how bereft I would feel. You know, my identity for twenty five years has been mother first and everything else, ministry work, everything comes next because it's such an all consuming thing. And 
and for it to suddenly be feel like it's gone um, is amazing. So I guess what I really hope is is that I can encourage families to live more in the moment, to enjoy, you know, the these wonderful years when your kids want to be with you and want to talk to you and, you know, build a real family culture of communication when they're young so that that will continue through teen years and, and through into, you know, adult years as well. And you talk in your book about the four big dimensions, uh, relationships, culture, inner selves and world. Um, tell us a bit, a bit about these four big dimensions. When I was working for Tear Fund, um, and later I worked for Baptist World Aid, I I really cared deeply about um, people who are poor and oppressed and marginalised in the world. You know, we have people, you know, enslaved around the world. Children are enslaved. We have. Um, you know, people living in extreme poverty. We've done a lot towards raising people out of poverty in the pandemics. We don't even know yet the the dreadful effect that it's had on, on you know, setting that back. So what I really wanted to do was go straight into, hey, everybody, you should get more generous and compassionate and, and you know, help me change the world. But I realised that you can't start there when we're in a culture where everyone is so busy, where everyone is so distracted, where we're told every day that we are the most important people in the world and we deserve everything and, you know, buy more stuff, that's what will make you happy. And so I feel, I feel like I had to kind of go backwards. And, and right at the very fundamental is relationships. If, if our relationships are not good, everything else is a wreck. Mm. I, I know, you know, getting married was one of the most wonderful things for me because suddenly I didn't have to run around so hard trying to get my needs for love met. You know, they, I, I was safe and I was actually able to, to be, you know, to fly free and become a, a better person because I felt loved. And, and I feel like that you know, was part of my job with raising my kids, was helping them to have emotional intelligence, to be a good friend, to know how to listen. You know, in our culture, we're terrible at listening. We have two ears and one mouth. We should use them in proportion, but we don't. And conflict resolution, I can save you two years of writing essays and, and reading books over my master's degree. It's all about communication. It's all about how well we listen, how well we can communicate with each other. So I, the first area that I really felt like we need to start with was relationships. And so I have a bunch of conversations, how to be a good friend, how to listen well, how to resolve conflict, how to cope when you've made a mistake, that sort of thing. Um, and then I realised, well, we need to empower kids uh, to understand the effect that their culture is having on them so that they have a chance of pushing back on it. So i had done a lot of work of looking, researching the effect of consumerism. Um, the most highly paid psychologists are paid by the advertising industry. Uh, one advertising um, person said that what they're aiming to do is find our deepest insecurities and crow them open with a, with a crowbar um, 
so that we'll think that when we've had a bad day at school or at work or when we've fought with somebody that if we buy stuff that somehow will make us better and we know as Christians that isn't what's going to make us better. Um, and so all we really have to do is talk to our kids about what's going on in terms of advertising so that they can spot it um, and be aware of it and not be consumed by consumerism. I loved it. My son one day said he was going to decide to create more than he consumes. Mm, fantastic. It's, let me say that is quite a challenge yeah. in this this current culture that we have. Yeah. We yeah. also have a culture that um, that is full of distraction. You know, we, we have every type of distraction imaginable at our fingertips. And I think if you watch the news, if you just watch the nightly news, you know, which we think is a, a, a good normal thing to do, we will find out every bad thing that happened in the world. And it's overwhelming. Our brains really are only evolved to cope with a village, 100, 150 people, right? And so if something bad happens to someone in the village, I can go and help them. I can physically go and respond to that problem. But when I see everything that's happening in the world, it's overwhelming. I feel guilty. I feel depressed. I just want to go watch Netflix, right? <laughs> it's, and that's what's happening to all of us. I think, it's, I think we're building up this kind of barrier of distraction to stop us feeling bad. But in fact, that isn't life-giving. Mm. That isn't what gives us life. You know, sitting in front of the TV is not the thing that that makes you happy. Um, so culture, I'm sorry, that was a long digression. I feel really passionate about this. I yeah. think we don't talk to our kids enough about the world around them. We are opening the phone lines right now. If you want to call and ask a question today about parenting, you know, uh, Susie's book is called Raising Kids Who Care. Practical Conversations for Exploring Stuff That Matters Together. We've been talking about how kids get so distracted in this day and age and uh, we need to be intentional in our parenting. We need to find our kids' superpowers and help them fulfill their destiny in life. Uh, we've been talking about some of these topics. If you want to join the conversation, now's the time to call. Phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. And we've got Rowan from the Gold Coast. How's it going, Rowan? Hey, not bad. Yeah, um... Yeah, I just had a quick question, uh, more like a comment uh, come with a question. Um, so, yeah, I, I love this conversation. I thank 2020 for it because they have amazing guests every time and, uh, and I enjoy listening to this show. It's amazing. Um, so my wife and I, we had a newborn just eight months ago. <laughs> he came earlier than expected, but we were really happy that he came. And I think my wife and I were sitting down uh, last week, and we can see now he's almost eight months, and he's just he, he's now started to speak a bit, uh, saying Dada, Mama, and you can see him just uh, trying to crawl and holding stuff. And we're just thinking that he, he he's pretty much growing up very very quickly. <laughs> and we were just thinking the day we brought him from the hospital, so it was just reminiscing about. Uh, the good old days when he was born, and something that was in my heart was because I I come from a very uh, come from a third world country. I've seen uh, come from East Africa, which is Kenya, and I can see like there's a lot of poverty there. I've grown up with people who've not got much, and and I look at my child, and his name is Liam, and I look at Liam, and I can see that he's growing up in such a beautiful environment that. He, 
and, and, and I sometimes worry it's good. I'm, I'm happy he's growing up here. But sometimes I worry he will not appreciate certain things because he's just not exposed to uh, elements that I was exposed to. So I was just wondering, my question would be here, what is the right age to like introduce kids to like uh, certain things like talking about poverty, showing them how the real world is of hunger and everything? Good question. What are your thoughts, Susie? Well, congratulations, Rowan. I think... Um, I think your little boy is going to be all right because the most important thing is role modeling. And so the fact that you know these things and care about these things are going to inform your values and that's going to inform the way you care for your son. So but you can you, you can or you can probably just relax for a few years. But there are little things I think you can think about now. You know, there's in our consumerist culture, we want to give kids so much stuff, so many plastic toys and, you know, junk. Like, But maybe if we just decide that our child will just get one gift or, you know, we'll, we'll keep things reasonable from an early age, then, you know, that's a little thing we can do. We um, were gifted a trip to Vietnam when when my kids were very young they were only six and eight and I I know that my son when he was six when he was exposed to a different world than than what we were living in it informed him um so I think we need to be age appropriate with our kids. There are little things you can do now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much. But, um, but engaging kids. If we're going to let them watch the news, then we would be talking to them about what they're watching, engaging and explaining it, and and pointing out where whenever there's something bad in the world, there's someone in there helping. Let's just choose to look for those wonderful things. But yeah, Rowan, you're going to be great. Kenya's beautiful. I've been there. <laughs> Good on your own. Any more? Any more comments on that? No, that would be it. Thank you. That was really helpful. Thank you so much. Good on you, mate. Thank you so much for your call. God bless. God bless you too. And if you'd like to call, phone lines are open now. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Our guest is Susie Lee. Her latest book is called Raising Kids Who Care: Practical Conversations for Exploring Stuff That Matters Together. And uh, she's uh, going to be with us for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. If you've got a question, now is the time to call 1-800-316-316. And uh, while I'm just looking at your website here, Susie, have you, have you written other books or is this your first one? No, this is my first book. I've written a number of resources um, when I was working for the Baptist Association, when I was working in aid and development organisations, but this is the first actual book. So yeah. it's like having a baby, actually. Yeah. It's really hard to get out and then, oh, it's so beautiful. But if you don't look after it every day, it will just die. So. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, and, of course, we just mentioned it's been shortlisted for the Australian Christian Book of the Year. Uh, and uh, if people want to find out more, the website is raisingkidswhocare.info. It's a great website. Uh, there's lots of resources on there as well and uh, some great links, some great articles. I encourage you to have a look at the website. We've got Abraham from Sydney on the line. How are you, mate? I'm always good, mate. How are you? Any fitter, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> have, you got a, have you got a question you want to ask Susie today? Hi, Susie. Susie, my question is to you. Um, I noticed that what I've been hearing is about people as parents as couples 
My question is to you, how do we approach this thing as a single parent, like a divorced parent like myself? Like, I've got four kids, three of them are adults. I've got a young junior boy. He's, um, he goes to church twice, twice a week. But as a father, what I'm trying to do as a Christian father is lead him and help him and guide him in the right direction of his faith. But the only thing, it's, it's a, a bit of a distraction for me and him is time to see him because I'm only allocated a certain amount of days or times that I can see him. So that's my question to you, Susie. Well, Abraham, I think that your kids are really very blessed to have a dad who is so engaged and and keen to be involved and, and being intentional. That is such a big head start already. But if you've got short amounts of time, then you want to be making sure that it's really great quality when you're together. And so understanding you know how to have really qual great quality conversations can help there's actually a science um, of conversations so we two th just two short things to remember one is to yeah. try and have really intentional conversations that are positive and creative and life-giving and like you're collaborating like you're you're in life together not you know as parents we can sometimes be a bit too preachy and telling our kids what to do but but be be positive rather than you know our whole education system is oh critical thinking let's analyze and see what's wrong with everything we want to have conversations that that are about us positively approaching the world together and secondly we want to have conversations that are about curiosity about asking questions uh, that are trying to always go a little bit deeper and you know really find little hidden gems and so trying to be positive and curious in your conversations um, with your son it's going to build this kind of culture of communication that that will make you feel close relationally um, and will make you a safe person um, for your kids to come to when they really have something they need to talk about. But good on you, Abraham. You're a legend. Thank you. Uh, both of you are too. Oh, thank you, Abraham. And, mate, just while we got you too, you know, my heart goes out to single parents. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I was uh, uh, divorced at the age of 25 and was a single dad for a few years and then you know, my second marriage began, you know, after that. And, you know, I, I've, uh, I just remember when I was a single dad for that few years without my partner helping me, it was such a difficult thing. And, and I, you know, what I'd do is I'd, I'd have my daughter for the weekend and I'd spoil her rotten. I'd, <laughs> I'd just try and overcompensate uh, that I wasn't living with her and I'd, and I'd spoil her rotten. And, and, you know, I wish I'd had that advice, you know, 25 yeah. years ago when she, was, when she was little. I wish I'd had that advice to just take the yeah. time to have quality conversations with them, you know, and, I think you know single parents. It's a, it's a tough gig, but with God, you know God can anoint you and give you wisdom in that. Um, and I might just ask Susie, how do you feel about praying for Abraham as a single dad in this situation? You okay with that, Susie? Yeah. Abraham, you okay if we pray for you? I don't mind. All right, Susie, lead us in some prayer. Heavenly Father. Thank you for creating a father like Abraham who loves his kids. Um, 
Father, I pray that you will um, guide him with your Holy Spirit to to find um, the love that he needs for his kids, the the words to say, the questions to ask, and that that you will give him and his kids an opportunity to have really wonderful quality conversations together. Mm. Mm. Amen. 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 Can I just can I just add something before we go? Um, always remember this both of you and everyone out there listening is no matter what you go through every day is a good day in the hands of the lord amen every day is a good day amen. all right what a great outlook well thanks. well said brother thanks for your call no problem you have a wonderful day guys you Thank too you. god bless god bless bye-bye and phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316 we've got about another 10 minutes or so uh, with our guest, if you want to call through, now's the time to get in. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you want some prayer. Uh, maybe you want uh, to uh, make a comment. Uh, 1-800-316-316 is the number. And our guest is Susie Lee, author of the book Raising Kids Who Care, about kids who contribute purposefully to their world. Uh, we've been talking about how kids grow up fast. We've been talking about how kids get so distracted these days and we need to be intentional in our parenting. We've been talking about relationships and culture. Um, let's turn our attention, Susie, towards inner selves. You talk about that in, in, the, in your book. Just unpack that for us. Well, we know that all human beings have a spirit, um, a spiritual life. And, you know, when those of us that go to church talk about that in a certain way and people who are not in church talk about that maybe in different ways. But when I think spiritual, I think big words like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and you know, all those wonderful things, which, you know, whether you go to church or not, those are, those are part of your life. And so I talk about um, the, the third big area of life is, is our inner selves. It used to be that as humans we, t- we thought about character development and that that was the purpose of life, but it seems a bit out of vogue now. Now it's, you know, how much stuff can I accumul- accumulate, how much money can I get? And they've, sh- they've shown in research that the effect of wealth on us is to make us less compassionate, less generous, less ethical, more entitled. And so I think... What we want to do as parents is is talk to our kids about um, about their inner world. You know, we we know as Christians we're supposed to be loving and forgiving and generous and wise. And but how do you do those things? Those are actually quite hard things. And there's been a lot of psychological research, dominated by Christian psychologists, actually, that's looked at how we can be loving and how we can be more generous and how we can be calm in a stressful world and so I have conversations for each one of each ones of these um, in in the section on inner selves and then I move on to um, conversations about the world and how kids can contribute because I really think that we need to give our kids opportunities to respond to the problems in the world so that we create a worldview in them that say, oh there's a problem I can do something about that it may be just praying it may be you know sending your pocket money to help someone it, it, it might be volunteering somewhere but if we believe there's something we can do about it that is going to be really great for for growing kids who who care and can contribute to the world um and i think what i really would love is for families to have these conversations and get to a point where they kind of 
are able to talk about what are the things we're good at and what are the things we care about and what are the things the world needs and and find that little sweet spot in the middle that becomes a family mission that maybe maybe there's something you can support together as a family um so love that i love that you know and i know many of our listeners probably have you know, children that they sponsor through Compassion or through World Vision or, you know, some Christian, uh, you know, ministry or charity that they support. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of our families uh, and listeners these days will be doing the Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child, handing out, uh, you know, packing shoe boxes and sending them to kids in third world countries, you know. It's great to have projects like that as a family that you can, you can do together. And I, I heard a pastor once say that, uh, you know, when you're a baby or a, or a little child, Everything's about you. You know, you get fed, you get changed, you get, you know, everything's done about you. Then when you're a teenager, um, you, you learn to maybe start thinking about others a little bit, uh, but, but you can kind of look after yourself. And then when you're an adult, you learn how to look after others. And he said that's the, the process of maturing, you know. You, our, our job is to train our kids to look after others and not just look after themselves. Just want to speak into that for us? Well, I'd actually, I kind of agree with you, but I yep. kind of want to push back as yeah. well. Yeah, sure. Because there's something, you know, children are born in the image of God. Yeah. And there's something so pure about their generosity and compassion before it's been distorted by the individualism and materialism of the world. Yeah. And so, you know, this looks like it's a, a book to help parents, you know, with kids. But in fact, what I think will happen is that parents, when they start engaging with kids, will be blown away by the the pure idealism of kids and and want and reconnect to that themselves. Mm. Um, you know, when my kids decided they wanted to raise enough money to buy one of everything in Tier Fund's really useful gift catalogue, I was a bit horrified. <laughs> uh, I thought, oh, that was too big. Um, but they decided that f- that they would they would ask all their friends and family to give them gifts from the gift catalogue instead of you know birthday presents, Christmas presents. And over three years, they had no pre- Christmas or birthday presents. They just um, were were given very generous gifts from their parents. Um, they did chores around the house and, and they met their goal. And I think that inspires me so many times. It's been young people who have inspired me to be generous and compassionate as well. Um, but if we don't talk to them about it, if we don't include them, maybe we're all very generous and, you know, giving money to charity or, or you know, baking meals and taking them to people. But why don't we take our kids with us when we do that? Why don't we talk to our kids and decide as a family yeah. how we will give generously just to include them? In, and I think you'll find it will inspire the parents too. Yeah, love that. I love that. Fantastic. Now, one of the, the big issues uh, that uh, – parenting you know parents are struggling with these days and this is a little bit off topic but i'd be curious to know your response so devices so some people give their kids phones when they're little babies still and say here play this and then they use the phone as a babysitter and that you know but the the truth is we need to have boundaries with devices and uh particularly even when kids are teenagers you know I, i think some kids are given phones with that where they can access anything in the world at a very young age uh, we need to be intentional about devices. What, what's your advice on that? 
Yeah, so I have a couple of conversations in the book to yep. talk about this as a family. Let's talk together about what should our rules be about devices because, again, role modelling is the most important thing. It can be quite confronting because as parents, we're on our devices too. <clears throat> we know that um, I was just in a grandparenting class and they said research says no children under the age of two should ever be looking at a screen. Um we know that kids as young as eight are being exposed to porn. Um, let's not pretend it's not happening, but let's engage with our kids. Let's talk to them about it. Um, but some of the research about the effect of technology is is really interesting because it's nuanced. Because at first we could think, oh no, it's you know there was a big spike in teenage girls' anxiety when the iPhones came out and became widely widely used. But more. More recent research has showed that kids who have a really good relationship with their parents are less likely to be affected, that there are positive and, and negative, like passive and active ways to use your social media. So if you are actively using it to connect with friends, um, that's a positive thing. We, we may, we're born hardwired to connect. But if you are just passively scrolling then it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. So being, you know, one of my conversations actually raises this sort of research and then gives you the questions to talk together as a family about, okay, so how are we going with our device use and, and what rules should we have? Every primary school teacher day one of the year will talk to their class about class rules Let's and include the kids in the rules and the consequences. So let's include the kids, but be warned, they're going to have a hard word to say about our usage as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's uh, great to hear your thoughts on that subject. Our time's almost up, and I would just love to uh, encourage people to uh, get their hands on this book. It looks like it's uh, such an important book for parents and for grandparents. Uh, I encourage you to have a look it up. Uh, the, web the website is raisingkidswhocare.info, and uh, there's also a Facebook page, uh, and I can see that uh, you love uh, speaking. You've got different speaking engagements coming up as well, Susie. You, you travel the country, hey? <laughs> I I have been travelling around a bit. The yeah. churches have been starting to do some really interesting things, running um, parenting expos or you know mothers' nights and um, and what I would really love to see is churches running um, a, a family event, inviting families in and say we're going to talk about technology and maybe you know you. You can easily just use the conversation in the book to facilitate an event mm. that gets families talking. Um, yeah, love love to talk to anybody that wants to hear my ideas about how that could happen. Absolutely. Well, it's uh, if there's anyone out there that wants to invite Susie to go and speak at their church or a seminar or you know do something uh, around those uh, ideas, uh, you can contact her through her website, raisingkidswhocare.info, and uh, the Raising Kids Who Care Facebook page as well. Uh, and if you need the details, contact us here at Vision and we can pass them on. Uh, Susie, this is your first time ever on Vision Christian Radio. I hope you come back as a regular. And uh, I just pray the Lord will bless you in your ministry uh, and that many lives will be impacted through this wonderful new book. Uh, thanks for your time today, Susie. God bless. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been fun. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 